Hello, everybody, and welcome to the House Divided podcast. I am Brendan, and with me is my co-host, Jeremy. Jeremy, for the first time since January, it is uh, game week, or I guess December for you guys. But either way, first time in a long time, it's game week for football. Uh, How do you feel? Uh, I'm still refreshing my phone and making sure that there's not a cancellation that's going to come because it's 2020. Uh, but I think I'm getting to the point where I can be excited, right? It's going to happen. It's, I think it's going to happen. I've been ignoring all smart feelings of being realistic, and I'm ready to run through the brick wall. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when I wake up Saturday morning, it, I'm, I'm thinking it might finally hit me. I mean, I know my like internal clock is all off because it's amazing to – even some of the MSU players were talking about that it was weird to walk out of practice and it's dark outside and they haven't played a game yet. Like that's usually about the midpoint of the season for them. So, you know, everyone's internal clock is a little bit off on this. Um, So, you know, it'll be, I mean, really we've been off since March, right? Like I think we didn't get March Madness. We didn't get our normal end of sports playoffs at the times that we were supposed to. So yeah, it'll, It'll feel different, but I'm I'm getting pretty excited uh, for this weekend. Yeah, uh, my brain's a little bit broken, and it's going to be weird because I think in Minnesota it is supposed to snow uh, on Saturday, or at least it's snowing already. So we're going to have a snow game for the season opener for Michigan, it sounds like. So nothing's going to make sense about this season, which is the only reason I have hope that we could win the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, uh, LSU went out and lost the first day of the season to Mike Leach in Mississippi State, who doesn't even look like they're coherent since then. So, I everyone should be optimistic. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, lots of opportunities here. So, should be fun. Um, we got kind of a big show today. We want to take you guys through... Uh, kind of positional, quick positional previews for both teams. And then we're going to pick all the Big Ten games against the spread. And we'll see how we do. You can compete against us. And that's what we got for you guys today. Oh, and we also have some hockey talk because they came up with a plan. So uh, let's dive into team by or position by position previews, Jeremy. Uh, do we want to go position for both teams and then move on to the next position? I'm thinking that might be best way to attack this yeah i think that'll uh that'll be good and i mean we play each other next week so i guess that's a good little dive into uh some matchups for next week then too yep week two michigan michigan state nothing about this feels normal but all (laughs) right well so there you go folks this is also going to act as uh kind of our head-to-head comparison preview for the uh michigan michigan state game next week we'll go more in depth when we actually have seen players play next week but for now this will be good too so let's start at quarterback uh both michigan and michigan state are gonna be bringing guys that haven't been starters before really so it should be interesting uh we'll start with michigan who's bringing in Joe Milton and he has been hyped to hell even before this fall, as soon as he got on campus. So as you can imagine, when he won the starting job over Dylan McCaffrey, he has now been named the 2020 September Heisman, despite us not starting the season until October. The bad part about quarterback for Michigan that I don't feel great about is Dylan McCaffrey opting out. So we're going to be going, if Joe Melton gets hurt or gets COVID, we're going to be going to redshirt freshman Cade McNamara. So that gives me some scary feelings, but I feel pretty good about Joe Melton. I think there's high variability in what we could see and uh, he could be terrible or great. I have no idea what to expect. So that's it for QB for Michigan. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty uh, pretty light. I think MSU's is probably a little bit more exciting. Not exciting in like maybe – I don't know if we have a quarterback that uh, is going to be rated as highly as Joe Milton, but I think there's actually more of a competition because we did not have anyone opt out so or transfer or uh, anything like that. So it's a pretty wide-open competition with a brand-new coach and new – QB coach and OC. So, um, 
You, no one knows who the starter is. I'm going to say that my guess is Rocky Lombardi starts the first snap against Rutgers, but I think we probably see more than one quarterback in that game. Um, but Rocky Lombardi coming back, redshirt junior, he's at least started games before. He's probably going to be a captain, I think, even if he's not a starter. Um, just has a lot kind of going for him uh, to be the guy at the beginning. But behind him is Theo Day who played some snaps last year, but then was immediately pulled because he messed up a play call. And Peyton Thorne, a redshirt freshman, who uh, has two receivers who are high school wide receivers for him on the team too, which is kind of uh, exciting and, you know, makes me think of fantasy football when you can double up your points, right, Brendan? So yeah, <laughs> that's how this works in 2020. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, I you know, I think it's going to be a pretty wide open competition. I think the fan base has probably all kind of gone their different camps. I think like any time we're all excited by the quarterback. None of us have seen, which is mostly Theo Gay and Peyton Thorne. Uh, I don't think many people are super psyched about Rocky possibly being the long-term solution. Um, but I think we got to give him a chance to see if he's actually made any, any type of improvement from the last time we saw him. And if he hasn't, it's probably going to be one of the other guys. Uh, I personally like Peyton Thorne uh, just because there's a lot of intangibles that I like about him on top of being a, a good quarterback, being the son of a coach, and all those things that seem to fit a very good MSU vibe for a quarterback. So um, I think that you'll see all three at some point in the season. That's my lukewarm take. <laughs> um, but I think uh, by the end of it, most likely it seems like Peyton Thorne's going to be the guy as you look towards like fall 2021. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Definitely a lot more interesting things to look at throughout the season uh, on Michigan state side. Uh, yeah. And at least one of our guys can get COVID and I, I'm not going to feel good about us person getting COVID, but not as stressful, you know, they're all three in this competition now. So. Uh, yeah, that's definitely yeah. true. I, I, I think you can definitely feel better about, uh, the only problem I see is I feel like it might be a situation where a whole position rooms get COVID. And so I don't even know what you do if your QP room all, all get it. I mean, you probably just yeah. take those weeks off. I don't know. Uh, <sighs> I think you go the Lynn Bowden route, right, from Kentucky, and you just put a wide receiver back there and – yeah, I don't think it'll go as well as Lynn Bowden because he's a, <laughs> a freak. But, yeah, I think that's what you'd have to do. Um, all right, let's move on to the running back rooms. And I guess we'll just keep going this way. I'll start with Michigan. I'm just going to read this list of names. Hassan Haskins, Zach Charbonnet, Chris Evans, Christian Turner, and true freshman Blake Corum. If we cannot find one to two ballers out of that group that'll be the most surprising thing for me this year for Michigan's team because I think Haskins and Charbonnet could both blow up uh Turner showed some promise when he's been here Chris Evans it feels like a literal eternity ago that he scored that incredible go-ahead touchdown against Florida State in the Orange Bowl as a freshman um and so it's crazy to see that we're in his fifth year now and he's back we know what he's capable of and Blake Corum has been hyped as Mike Hart, but fast. So uh, if we can't find one to two dudes in that group, I'll be shocked. And that's really all I have to say about the running back room. Yeah. Is this the year that Chris Evans finally, like, I mean, I, I agree. When you just said all that, I, was, I didn't even think Chris Evans was still around. That's impressive. Um, yeah. yeah he, it uh, feels to me like, I think as a, as a rival fan, I think I've heard the most about Turner and Evans but I can't say that I know anything about them. Like I've heard the hype about them. And when they committed, I remember hearing uh, how big they were going to be, but can't say I've really seen much of them since then. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just do a quick rundown then. Hassan Haskins does not go down on first contact and he's pretty shifty. Good. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, kind of a similar back to Haskins. Good. Uh, so Christian Turner also doesn't go down on first contact, but he's got really good speed once he gets built up to it. Um, he showed that in a bowl game against Florida a couple of years ago. Um, he didn't get a lot of playing time last year just because 
He had some fumble issues and he was awful in pass protection. Um, but I'm hoping that a full year is able to shore up some of those issues. And Chris Evans, I actually think is going to be used as more of a slot guy. Uh, he was, he's super quick, but he's also stocky. Um, but really the thing is Michigan fans have been begging to see him in the passing game literally since he arrived at campus. So he caught one uh, nice wheel route from Brandon Peters against Rutgers a couple of years ago. That was exciting. And he was out last year because of academic stuff. And so we didn't get to see him in the speed and space Gaddis offense. So I, I'm really looking forward to see what he can do uh, under Gaddis because I think they're going to put him in the slot a ton. And I think he's going to burn some people over the course of the year. Yeah, that does. It feels like he's going to be your front gadget player uh, this season then, right? So, yeah, yeah, he could definitely could be, uh, we have a lot of slot types, uh, and we'll get to that in wide receiver, but, uh, I still think he's going to get a ton of snaps there and probably everywhere. Nice. So let me ask you this, Brendan, who would you be able to guess who the leading returning running back was for the big 10 last season? No. <laughs> well, it was actually Elijah Collins, which I didn't really realize until doing research for this show. Um, As you know, obviously was impressed with his year. He finished just under a thousand yards. Um, so he was close to being a thousand yard back, which I don't think MSU has had since Jeremy Laneford or either LJ Scott's freshman year. I think um, he got close, but yeah, Eli Collins had a really, really good year. Um, his biggest thing that he's said he's been working on this summer is speed because he can't quite pull away. So instead of having it be a 20 yard run, maybe he can make it a 40 or take it to the house this year. Um, is kind of what he's been working on. I think, uh, MSU's running back room kind of similar to Michigan where there's a lot of great pieces there, but the only difference is I think we probably know who the, who the number one is, which is Eli Collins, uh, less of a, also a fight for number one, like there is at Michigan. Um, but behind him is kind of a varied options. You have uh, Ant Williams, who was pretty well hyped, but really didn't break out until the bowl game against Wake Forest. Um, and he he's similar, I think, to a Chris Evans type. Like we want to see him on the field and, you know, you can split him out wide and then bring him in motion, or you could, you know, have him take fly sweeps and things like that. Um, so he's a good kind of, Thunder or lightning to Eli Collins Thunder, I guess. Um, and then behind them, you also have uh, some players that we just haven't seen a ton of as well, uh, and some that we have. So back on the team after he almost transferred is Connor Hayward. Um, don't really know if he ever got that close to getting offers that you liked or not, but he was in the transfer portal and he's back. I don't expect him to be much more than just catching passes out of the backfield or kind of an age crack role. Um, and then you have uh, a little bit more Brandon Wright, who's a, a big, thick back like Eli Collins, and a couple of freshmen who I, you know, maybe they see the field just because it's not going to count against their eligibility this year. Uh, and Simmons out of Georgia um, and, a, and a back from Texas as well. But I think this one is probably the most shored up position for MSU, just knowing that Eli Collins is like, that's, that's his role. Um, the only difference is what does a new offensive coordinator mean? Do we have more two running back sets and who, you know, how much is it passing out of the backfield and, and all that? Yeah. I mean, that's a great rundown. Um, I learned a lot cause I'm going to be honest. I thought you were going to tell me to name one Michigan state running back at first and I was going to draw a blank. Um, but it's been too uh, long, Brandon. <laughs> so, so you're talking about working under the new offensive coordinator and such do you think we're going to see a lot of what Michigan state's offense is going to be on this Saturday, or do you think they're going to save everything for Michigan? Honestly, I think like that was obviously a staple under D'Antonio. I think at this point it's playing Michigan only in week two. I, I don't think there's going to be a quote. I don't think there's going to be any surprise that is huge against Michigan in year one. Um, it's just been such a weird, higher timeline and on and off chance for the coaches to work with them that I don't think you're going to see 
really what the offense wants to be until yeah i think maybe you see it towards the end of the year like save it for the penn state ohio state back to back just to like you know hope yeah. that guys are comfortable in their positions and and you're already going in as such big underdogs in those games why not just try some different things um but i think you know, a lot of like what Mel Tucker was talking about for this week, more on defense, but I think you can apply it to offense is just, just play your position. Don't worry about some concept or, uh, you know, how does it fit into the big grand scheme of things? Like know, know how to play your position and know what we expect from you at your position. And then it'll just kind of have to come together. Um, and that's where I think having a coach who was in the NFL where they had such limited time with their players, almost in a way of, players coming in and out every week or a lot of changes. I think that will work well because I think he's he's probably good at not overwhelming these guys with I have one system, this is how we're gonna have to run it. You know, let's just do it now and kind of like almost like the Rich Rod first year where you make no adjustment. You just want to run what you want to run. I think they're gonna be pretty vanilla and they have probably the uh they know that they have the safety to do it. I don't think anyone of them and youth playing team is going to be mad if they save a lot of the tricks for the second year. Yeah. No, I completely understand that. It was literally just the fact that you guys play Rutgers week one and then Michigan. That was the only reason I thought about it, just because you kind of get the bye week before Michigan. Uh, but I will say I have thought about uh, – I wonder, like, with some personnel decisions, if that comes into play. Um, Definitely, could, you know, like, I, I like when we were talking about the running back, like, hey, Ant Williams, I think he's going to be good out of the backfield. Maybe you save that for week two, though. So, you know, you just you can probably beat Rutgers just running Eli Collins, right? Um, so I think you might see some like minor things like that, but probably not in the way of like, you know, under D'Antonio, where you'd have three new sets that all of a sudden show up for the Michigan game. <laughs> Yeah, um, and yeah. and help you beat Michigan, but are also frustrating because you're like we probably lost a game we could have used this earlier. Um, I don't think you're going to see it quite that dramatic, but I think you will see it in some personnel decisions. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's move on to wide receiver. Uh, so obviously, the big thing for Michigan here is that Nico Collins did not choose to opt back in after the Big Ten decided to go ahead with their season. So that is a big, big, uh, not even deficiency, but it just sucks not to have that guy when you could, you know. So Michigan's going to lean a lot on Ronnie Bell uh, now, which is great because he was basically Donovan Peoples-Jones last year. They put up very similar numbers. They're very similar guys. The only thing I could say is that Ronnie Bell probably got the advantage of being in the slot a little bit more. But they're really going to have to – uh, lean on the sophomores this year at wide receiver. Um, Mike Sandersill, Giles Jackson, Cornelius Johnson all had their moments last year as true freshmen, which makes me feel better because freshman wide receiver always wide receivers always suck. And so the fact that they all had their moments gets me excited for what they could do this year. Uh, but Michigan's going to have to lean heavily upon them. Uh, yeah, some true freshmen that uh, AJ Henning and Roman Wilson that could uh, they're just really, really fast, especially Roman Wilson. I think he was the state champ for the 100 meter in Hawaii in high school. Um, so he is just super fast. So there, there's going to be some uses for those true freshmen as well. Maybe not early in the season, but definitely during the second half. Some They did that for Giles Jackson last year. They had some scripted plays specifically for him once he got comfortable. So I think we could see that. But, yeah, it's going to be a – a youthful wide receiver room, which is a little scary because this is not really a position where you don't want many veterans around. Now, do you think that under Dennis, the system of the speed and space and kind of uh, a little more spread out possibly that the youth won't be as big of an issue? They just kind of have to find their spot and get to it? I'm optimistic about that. I definitely think that could factor in. Um I think like specifically Giles Jackson and Roman Wilson are just so absurdly fast that you have a good amount of stuff. I think you can get them in without it uh, being too bad, but it might center still is a good route runner. So, you know, I, I think Gattis' system will make it 
easier on them, yes. Um, and I think it wouldn't be unreasonable. Man, are, are we hearing a baby here? Do we? Is this a good spot? Oh yeah, I was wondering if you could hear that. It's uh, yeah. it's feeding time, so. <laughs> Yeah, we've right. got a third guest on the uh, show this week. I was going back and forth between mute, so I was wondering, you know, <laughs> I figure if you can just hear someone drinking in the background, that's very on brand for the show. Yeah. So. yeah. Does Wyatt have any thoughts on Michigan's wide receiver room? No, but, you know, he, he considers himself a thick boy, so he's wondering what the tight ends look like for Michigan. <laughs> well, it's uh, kind of bare. Uh, we have Nick Eubanks, who I've always seen as kind of more of a receiver. Uh, he'll do okay in blocking situations, but not great. And then Eric All, who I think is a sophomore this year, made some minor appearances last year. He uh, He's a little light for a tight end, so but he gives his best effort in blocking. Uh, so, I mean, that's complete credit to MGoBlog, because I know that I shouldn't spout that off like I've studied tape. Um, but <laughs> He works hard. But he works hard, and he he can win some battles that you would be surprised about. So a little worried about the tight end in the run game, but I feel good enough about our O-line that I don't think it matters too much. But they should both be able to contribute pretty well in the passing game. So uh, there will be some options to throw at, and I, I do trust Josh Gaddis in his second year. He'll come up with some fun stuff that I think if Michigan's in a pinch, they can use and get some points out of. Gotcha. I'd say then uh, we have pretty same feelings on our tight ends then because MSU is looking at, you know, one pass catcher, I would say, which is Trent Gilson, who, again, kind of like Ant Williams, had a good uh, breakout performance, including one really long uh, catch and run in the bowl game against Wake Forest. Uh, but behind him is not much, especially when you think about pass catching. You have Adam Berghorst, who is a converted defensive lineman. And you have Matt Dotson, who was out last year with an injury. So, uh, and also is kind of seen again more as a blocking type. So I think uh, that might be probably like something that both fan bases, if you want to nitpick, are, uh, are concerned about is the tight end. Um, wide receiver wise, I think MSU doesn't have the ceiling of the Michigan wide receiver group. Uh, but I think they have three exciting options in there. Um, most importantly, probably or most hyped for this season is Jaden Reed, who is, as I mentioned before, was one of the high school teammates of Peyton Thorne, who transferred from Western Michigan to be with Peyton Thorne again. So uh, a lot of good hype on him in practice and from last season as he redshirted last season in his transfer year, um, a lot of good scout hype about him. And then you have Jalen Naylor, who, if he can just stay healthy, will be really important. But in my opinion, you have to show me you can stay healthy before we can get too excited about it. Uh, and then I think someone that uh, we saw a lot of last year at the end was Trey Mosley. And he's probably your number three guy going into the season. Um, with If we look out beyond the three, the most one, the one that's going to be the Twitter star of this year is uh, you will see MSU Twitter lose it anytime Trayvon Morgan comes on the field because he's a monster. I want to say he's like six, seven and a couple over 200 pounds. So he's, uh, he's going to be the one we're all excited about, especially, you know, inside the red zone, but uh, that'll probably be the player that it will get the award for MSU Twitter loving the most, despite maybe not doing much. <laughs> okay. Well, which we all have those on our team, right? So, Oh yeah. It's very much so. <laughs> all right. Any other thoughts before we move on to O-line? Uh, outside of the fact that I wish we could just skip O-line, Brendan. Okay, well, I, I don't wish, so I'll go ahead. <laughs> That's um, a, we're living different lives. So this is crazy. It, Ed Warner is unbelievable because Michigan lost four offense, starting offensive linemen from last year, and I feel pretty fantastic about this offensive line. Uh, you got Ryan Hayes starting at left tackle, I think. Yeah, yes, Ryan Hayes is starting at left tackle. He got a little bit of action when Mayfield couldn't play at the beginning of the year, and he looked pretty good. I think he's going to be a redshirt sophomore. Chuck Filiaga is a guy who committed, I think, four or five years ago. He, I definitely think he's in his fourth year on campus, at least. And he is just a massive human being. And I think he's going to be pretty good at left guard. 
Andrew Vistardis, I think, is a fifth-year senior. Um, he's going to be at center, and he backed up Cesar Ruiz when he couldn't get in there. Andrew Stuber is going to be at right guard, and he was locked into a battle, I believe, all year or all camp long last year with Jalen Mayfield to get on the field. And then he got hurt right before the season started. And so Mayfield got the job and was very good. So the fact that they were competing makes me feel good about Andrew Stuber. And then finally, Jalen Mayfield at right tackle. I think they have him on the right side because they want a way to lean with the run every time. And uh, he's going to kill some people because he was, he was going to go to the NFL when there wasn't going to be a season this year. He was uh, leaving despite only playing one year. So He's got. He's a really high upside player. I think you see a lot of really high upside players on here. The important part is I don't think there's a single player who didn't get their redshirt year, which was a big thing Michigan had issues with, was not being able to redshirt players uh, that had high ceilings later on in their career. So Ed Warner has recruited his ass off, and in return now Michigan has – a good O-line after losing four starters and they still have good O-line depth. I really like their two deep. I'm not going to get into all the guys that could come in if there's any injuries or COVID cases, but it, I, I like our two deep a lot. I think this O-line is going to be pretty good, probably a little bit better blocking for the run than the pass. I just hope they can keep Joe Melton clean, but I'm pretty confident. Yeah, it must be nice. Uh, MSU fans, not as confident. Uh, I will say the difference for us going into this season versus really the last couple where the offensive line has kind of slowly been trailing off from maybe where it was in a couple of good years with the strong unit there, especially with Jack Conklin on the line, is we do have a new offensive line coach. Um, and Chris Kofilovich is someone that comes pretty highly regarded in that position as well. So, uh, you know, maybe not as highly rated as Warner is someone that I wish was on MSU's campus, so I am saying I'm jealous there. Um, but Chris Popovich, I think, is a big step up. So while a lot of these players that are returning, maybe we're not super excited about, I still am intrigued to see do they make pretty big jumps to kind of show a difference in their coaching. Um, but the MSU offensive line, I think three positions are pretty much set in stone with uh, both tackle spots and your center. So I think that Kevin Jarvis and AJR Curry – are going to start at tackle. They're both uh, pretty good players. Kevin Jarvis, though, has struggled with a lot of injuries. And when he's healthy, he's probably the best offensive lineman we have. But just like, uh, you know, other players on our roster, he just can't stay healthy. Um, and that tackle, I would expect, you know, J.D. Duplain, who, I'm oh, sorry, and then at center, rather, Matt Allen will be probably the starter. He is likely, again, to be the captain just like his brother is like a real leader on the offensive line. I'd expect him to be there with um, a name that fans will recognize from last year after Matt Allen got hurt is Nick Samak, who I think will back him up or be a replacement along the line at some point. But uh, I think Matt Allen starts the season with J.D. Duplain probably at one of the guard positions and Matt Carrick. Um, J.D. I think looks pretty good as a freshman thrown into it, but you know, has a lot of growth to go. And Matt Carrick surprisingly started 11 games last year, which again, for MSU, there was so much shuffling. It's amazing when you see someone started 11 games. Yeah. Um, again, like you, I don't want to go too deep into the too deep, but I will say some names just to keep an eye on are like Devontae Dobbs and Spencer Brown are redshirt freshmen who, uh, if injuries are just some rotational things, I think could find themselves getting some time at guard or tackle. Yeah, I mean, it, it might not be pretty, but, you know, if you feel confident about the new O-line coach, then I, that's enough for me to feel fairly confident for your guys' future. It's hard to make too much of an impact year one, although Ed Warner did. He, he uh, really simplified things. I don't know if that's what MSU's issue was. Michigan's issue before he got here was that they were trying to run NFL stuff uh, with college kids, and it just wasn't working out. Once Ed Warner simplified things, they – had a pretty good turnaround that first year. So you guys might be able to see the same thing. Um, yeah, I think the the biggest grip we had is I think that there's just been 
a lot of just philosophical differences. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to recruiting. I think some guys on the offensive line uh, that Kapilovich and Tucker are working with right now probably didn't have the profile to have gotten an offer if they were the coaches uh, when these kids were in high school. So I think it's going to be a slow process. Um, but from what I'm hearing, he's also just really great at coaching up kids who are maybe not his perfect fit. So uh, this is going to be one that you hope to see some development, but I think the real, the real uh, growth will be once you get the zone guys in for that. Okay. All right. Well, are we ready to get to the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think that's one that we can both at least feel somewhat optimistic about. <laughs> I feel all right. I'm not not thrilled. <laughs> um, all right, so let's start on the defensive line. Uh, Michigan's defensive line is bookended by two very, very good ends, uh, Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson. They are both, I think, going to be all Big Ten. Uh, Hutchinson, I think, has like first-team all Big Ten potential. So we'll see. Um, the middle of the line scares me a little bit more just because we don't have much depth. Uh, Carlo Kemp is going to be fine, I think. He's been fine for a couple of years. He's not going to overwhelm anybody. He's not going to be Mohurst, but he is fine there. What we really need to break out from is Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith, two guys that got a little bit at runtime as true freshmen last year. Chris Hinton was basically a five-star so I think Chris Hinton, there's a good chance we could see a breakout here this year. Uh, Mozzie Smith, I'm a little bit more just hopeful for, but definitely need somebody to emerge in the middle of that line. Another name you might hear is Donovan Jeter. He's been around forever and really struggled with injuries um, as well as Luigi Valane. But I think the first four or five guys I said, Hutchinson, Pay, Kemp, Hinton, and Smith are probably going to be the main guys you see in the rotation. Uh, it should be fine. I'm a little bit worried that they could be susceptible to getting smashed by teams like Wisconsin or Ohio State up front in the run game, but uh, we won't know until we see them play. <laughs> yeah, I think you MSU probably has uh, maybe a little bit of a flip there. I think we probably feel more confident on the inside and more eh, on the outside. <laughs> um, so Naquan Jones is probably the best starter on the line coming back, and he's going to be the space eater in the middle. Um, so I think that's probably the, the player on the line that MSU fans feel the most confident in. Uh, Jacob Slade is going to probably start next to him. Had a pretty good season last year, kind of uh, came on as he was, you know, he's a redshirt freshman and got onto the field more towards the end of the year and really showed some things. Uh, defensive end. Yeah, I mean, we have a pan shift brothers still. And, you know, as soon as he's not getting himself thrown out of games and doing cheap shots, uh, he'll be there. Um, yeah, Wyatt's got some thoughts on that guy. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, Drew Beasley is someone who is going to probably start on the other side, but look for Michael Fletcher, Michael Fletcher, rather, who is a redshirt freshman who is getting a lot of praise just for his absurd body type. Like, he has extremely long arms and it's huge. So I think MSU fans are excited to see him possibly come on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that's interesting that they are the inverse. I guess that in terms of looking ahead to week two, uh, it's interesting to know that I think Michigan's biggest strength on offensive line is at the, on the tackle positions uh, going up against MSU's end. So that makes me feel a little better. But yeah, <laughs> um, all right. That's linebacker. what we're here for. Linebacker. Um, Michigan has obviously they have an interesting linebacker situation because of the style of play that Don Brown likes. So I think the two main linebackers that aren't the Viper are going to be Josh Ross and Cam McGrone. Cam McGrone obviously didn't get a chance to break out last year until Ross got hurt, but then he went and he looks like Devin Bush light. Um, so that's really exciting. I'm really glad we didn't lose him to an opt out. Cause I think he's going to lay the wood on some people and make some plays this year. Should be super exciting. Josh Ross was really good uh, before he got hurt and the year prior, he was 
very, very just fine, which is kind of all I want when you have a guy like McGrone who's going to be flying around everywhere. I like the other linebacker to be very steady, and I think that's what Josh Ross is. Um, at Viper, you're going to have, for the first time in what feels like forever, we're not going to have Kalee Cuds in there. It's going to be Michael Barrett. And basically everything I've heard on him is Kalee Cudson too. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not okay with another Kalee Cudson. We could probably just skip that, right? Can, we, <laughs> can he opt back out? Uh, I don't think so. You know, and I'm really excited. <laughs> I actually think he might be a little bit better in coverage than Kalik just because he, He's fast. And I mean, Kalik was fast, but Michael Barrett was a running back in high school as well. And he almost was a running back at Michigan. Uh, so I'm hoping he might have a little bit more upside in coverage and maybe a little less murdering people than Kalik Hudson, but we'll see. Yeah. So kind of uh, similar to where we talked about like the offensive line and new coaches from MSU. I think linebacker is the position where, in year one, I think you'll actually see the biggest change just from the fact of just scheme. Um, the new defensive coordinator, Scotty Hazleton, he mainly at Kansas State ran a lot of uh, two linebacker, five DB sets. Uh, and Mel Tucker did a lot of either three, four looks or uh, a lot of two linebacker with like a an edge rusher that was standing up. So I think for MSU fans, the two linebackers you're going to see the most on the field is probably Antoine Simmons for sure. Um, again, returning senior, he even spoke at Tucker's industry press conference, so I think he's going to be kind of the leader of the defense this year. And Noah Harvey, who came on for uh, Joe Bocci once he was suspended last season, um, those are going to be your two that they're going to lean on the heaviest. And then I think you're just going to see some plug and play based on situation. So it could be Chase Klein. Jez Lord Boatain, who has the best name on the team, uh, and Devin Hightower, who's a true freshman. I think you're going to see a lot of like, and Marcel Lewis as well. You're going to see a lot of just working through those guys, but it'll be interesting to see just how much you actually see three linebackers on the field for MSU. I think this is the place where you see the biggest difference in year one, just from a scheme perspective. Now, whether it works or makes any changes in stats, but you're going to see a lot more of five five cornerbacks or five secondary players than you are probably three linebackers out there. Gotcha. That'll be, that'll be interesting to look out for if Wyatt seems excited. Uh, so. Well, he uh, loves him some Pac-12 offense, so I guess he's going to love the, uh, not Pac-12, Big 12 offenses. So he just wants to see some skinny fast guys out there on defense, right? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, of course. All right. Time for the secondary, our last portion of the defense. Um, to be clear, this is the spot where I have about the least confidence on Michigan's roster, um, and that is nothing against the people, the players who are there. I just don't really know you guys and I haven't got to see you play a lot. So the number one corner is going to be Vincent Gray, who was pretty good as a number two to Amber Thomas. He never got killed like – uh, like there was no Brandon Watson game against Ohio state where he just got picked on over and over and over again. So I'm not sure how I feel about him as the number one corner. We'll see. Uh, I think somebody asked, uh, one of the defensive players in a press conference, uh, if Rashad Bateman is going to be a group effort or if it's uh, an individual battle. And he said, that's all Vincent Gray. So clearly the staff has a lot of confidence in him. Um, unfortunately, Don Brown has a track record of being overconfident in his guys going one-on-one -on -one with elite receivers. You can just go as quick back as, uh, you know, as little as last year when against KJ Hamler and he put safety like Metellus on him all game. So, that's mainly why I'm feeling nervous. Uh, there's a couple different options at corner that you'll probably see throughout the year. Um, for some reason, I'm blanking on them right now. So I'm going to talk about safety while I look this up. At safety, we're going to have Brad Hawkins and Dax Hill. And I feel very good about those guys. Brad Hawkins, kind of infamous for that Notre Dame game a couple years ago where he lets an interception go right through his hands for a touchdown. Uh, but 
really has been a career backup here so far just because we've had good safety play. But I like him now. He's a fifth-year senior, I think. So I, 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 he's going to be experienced, and he's going to be hopefully just a boring safety. That's what I would take. I'd love a boring safety because Dax Hill is going to bring all the excitement. He's super fast. He's a big hitter. Uh, you know, last year he was a true freshman from being a five-star recruit. Michigan was able to flip from Alabama. I think this year you could really see him make some plays. So I think the safety lineup, they can really counter each other well. Now, I found the corners, the list of corners we're going to have. We have Vincent Gray as the starter, I said. Uh, then our backup, or our number two guys, is either Sammy Faustin or Jamon Green, guys who we've just never really see play in game time. Uh, both redshirt juniors. So, yeah, I'm a little nervous about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I think cornerback is probably the most secure position for MSU. But, again, just like uh, I've said before, maybe not the high ceiling uh, that you can look at at the Michigan, but you can say that there's probably more consistency deeper down the depth chart um, or just more known. So I think Shakur Brown is going to be the main starter at cornerback for MSU. He's the one that's for sure, you know, sharpied in there. Uh, and it'll be interesting again with nickel coverages, how many times there are multiple corners on the field. So I think the next step down is probably looking at four-star recruit Kalen Durbin, who is going to be his third year on campus and he needs to take a pretty big step. He hasn't probably been as good as people have thought he was going to be. He's maybe taking a little bit longer and he's maybe a little undersized um, you know, for the position. So it'd be interesting to see what they use him as this year. And then fans are probably most excited about seeing what Julian Barnett can do, uh, who's transitioning back to defense after he had to play wide receiver last year. So uh, some some interesting different, like, looks there. And then uh, some more depth with Davion Williams and Dominique Lawn. But again, I think MSU, you're going to have to know deeper down into your cornerbacks because of the, the new scheme. And I think kind of like Michigan, the most secure player we have is a safety, which is Xavier Henderson. Uh, big hitter, not the speed of a Dax Hill or probably the high ceiling, but a very consistent player. Uh, and again, just figuring out who's going to play with him, if it's Michael Dowell or Trey Person. And fans are going to want to see Darius Snow here because, again, doesn't kind of get your eligibility. So let's play a freshman this year some uh, in some garbage time. So I think – that's probably the future of the position is Darius Snow, but Xavier Henderson's a good, uh, good sturdy player to have right now. Cool. All right. Uh, special teams. Do we have any, I have a couple notes on Michigan special teams. Uh, I'm in trusting Quinn Nordeen to not give me heart palpitations this year. Um, I'm pretty he sure. still his, there, huh? Yeah. I'm pretty sure his percentage on kicks of like 45 yards or more is higher than his kicks from 40 or less. I That's not real, but it feels that way. So I'm hoping he can find his consistency this year. We've all known since the first moment he took the field that he can bang it in from about 60 yards. It's just the consistency. He's missed a lot of extra points too. So uh, fingers crossed. Um, in terms of punting, I think we have Will Hart again. And – He's fine. We don't have – I miss when Michigan had the Aussie punters. I know Blake O'Neill kind of is responsible for, like, the worst Michigan moment of the last decade. Uh, but I really liked him when he wasn't doing that. He was a fantastic punter. So I like the Aussie punters. I wish we'd bring him back. Yeah, see, it's funny you say that because MSU, we have one now. Uh, so um, MSU, we do have an Aussie punter. Uh He's a grad transfer. I want to say he's from UTEP. Um, yeah, UTEP, Mitchell Crawford, he's a grad transfer. He has that Aussie punter style, and we also have one uh, committed to come in next year once he leaves after his grad year. So uh, we get to experience that now. Um, and, and Brendan, the last decade, come on. That was the worst play of longer than a decade, my man. Um, but I agree with Ouch. you. I'm excited to see it. I think – I that's the thing where Jake Hartbarger was a huge, like just boomer punter and it was great, but we didn't have a lot of punters that were able to just completely control field position because they almost would outkick their coverage or not be able to angle it towards the sidelines. So I'm interested to have uh, 
a punter who is maybe going to help us play that field position game a little bit more. Um, play speaker is going to be Matt Cogwin, who I think is going to have a bounce back year because he had a pretty rough year last year. Uh, but he's been consistent before, so I think he's going to find that again. It is interesting to think, though, this is going to be all kicking and probably bad weather. So yeah. uh, I think kicking this year is going to be unique, um, you know, being that uh, this might be the best weather we have is this weekend. So uh, it's going to be hard to kick. I know it's going to be tougher on the kickers, so that'll be something to watch is can they kick in the elements. Don't really know enough about who's going to return kicks yet. I think Jalen Naylor is always exciting to think back there. Uh, but as long as we have someone who actually catches the punt, that would be a huge improvement over what we've had for years. So that would yeah, be exciting. Yeah, that was the one thing I forgot to mention that I did make a point in my notes to say is that Michigan has so much speed on the roster. I don't really care who's at return, man, like at all. Like you could put Roman Wilson, uh, Giles Jackson, Dax Hill, any of them. And I think there's a good chance Michigan's going to take a kick or two to the house this year. Um, I'm a little nervous. I'm, I still miss Jabril Peppers as a punt returner. Like, it's been five years almost now. It just he never gave up a yard. If he was going to fair catch it, he would always fair catch it um, running, like catch it at full speed. I don't know. He was just perfect. He was a perfect punt returner, even without the fact that he had the capability to bring it to the house. I just want that sure thing back there where I know Michigan's going to take advantage of all the little yards you can gain just by fair catching it instead of letting it bounce and things like that. So I hope we can get a guy like that back there. But at kick return, I, I genuinely think you put Giles Jackson or Dax Hill or anybody back there, and they're gonna get a they're gonna get a touchdown or two this year. Yeah, and I think for us, I mean, we haven't had anyone exciting in really since Keyshawn Martin. So if we can finally find someone that's exciting, and uh, you know, under the previous staff, it honestly just started to feel like their goal of a punt return was to just not fumble it. So either don't touch it at all or make sure you fair catch it. So I just would love to see this year that we don't do that anymore. That's an improvement. That's the bare minimum that you have to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no little mistakes that can cause those little mistakes on special teams can cost you so much in a game. And so that's, they're really hard to take as a fan. Um, all right. Well, we are going to play our against the spread picks this week, and I'm getting excited just looking at all these. But first, I do want to focus on the Big Ten hockey uh, announced that they are going to have a season. They announced their season format. Uh, and so I'm going to run through this real quick. Uh, November 13th is when they're going to start. Everyone is going – you play every other Big Ten team four times – Plus, every Big Ten team will play four home games against Arizona State, I believe, um, over the course of the year. So that'll be all of it for non-conference. will be four games against Arizona State. The Big Ten tournament is going back to what it was before they went to campus sites. It's going to be at one location for three days, single elimination, which obviously I love the new format, but... Uh, considering the COVID circumstances, that, that makes absolute sense to do that. And uh, according to Red Barrett, and the schedule is going to get released in the next few weeks, which is nice because it starts in a few weeks. So that was nice of him to let us know. Yeah, thanks, Red. Uh, that's good to know that we can look forward to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see like when the schedule comes out, what it looks like, because I would imagine maybe trying to do some mini bubbles within the season. Yeah. Um, Yo, you've seen that with like some junior hockey leagues are doing like pod scheduling where basically there's a group of four teams, you all play each other for a few weeks and then move to a different pod just so that if there is a COVID outbreak, it doesn't quite have the ramifications of throwing off the whole league. It might be um, much easier to do the contact tracing or just kind of rebuilding the schedule of just a few teams versus a whole spread. Um, so that'll be interesting to see what they do. Like I imagine you could do something where Arizona state plays Michigan state one weekend and Michigan the next, and then it comes back to MSU and you just throw a fourth team in there and you kind of create a schedule pod a little bit for, you know, a couple of weeks. So yeah. um, I yeah. wonder if that's something that they're going to do. 
and how they're going to build any bye weeks or, you know, wiggle room into the schedule starting November 13th, you know, depending on how they're going to treat the Christmas or holiday break there doesn't leave you a ton of time to stay on track uh, in finishing everything. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how much, you know, wiggle room they give themselves as well. Yes. And I will mention, cause you talked about Arizona state coming and playing Michigan and then Michigan state on back-to-back weekends with, with no attendance to these games, they have talked about kind of throwing out the weekend, like get the normal, typical college hockey schedule, because having it on Friday and yep. Saturday nights every week was purely to get attendance and get people in the building. They're talking about doing midweek games, which I'm a big fan of. Like I, I'm just, that just excites me personally, uh, not having to wait yep. all weekend for, or all week for weekend college hockey, uh, having them sprinkled throughout the week. And I think it can be helpful for what you talked about in kind of doing pod scheduling. Um, the biggest thing here is I just really need them to have a legitimate season so I can, feel good about a Michigan season because I genuinely think we could win the Big Ten this year. Um, so I'm really hopeful that this can work out. I'm really excited. I'm really anxious to see the schedule because I'd like to yeah. know. I think, I think what they need to do is use this as a year of experimentation. So, you know, I, a, I think this is an experimentation of are they going to make Arizona State a member of the Big Ten, which I think, I think will happen. I think this is just yeah. kind of the intro into it. Um, I think this is a nice way of just wading into that pool and receiving a lot less of uh, any anger about that. And I think it's just going to be something that they end up doing. Um, and I agree. I, I like the midweek games. I, I wouldn't want to see those be a permanent thing, but I think that's a thing for this season that you need to do. Um, yeah, get more games on BTN. Yes. Uh, You're talking about shortening missions to get – better time slots for games so we they can get more on BTN. I heard that this week. Yep. Yeah, and I think just doing, you know, especially like I want that to be a permanent fixture maybe, you know, right now we have some Friday, Sunday weekends when football season is going on, but just, you know, there's no reason to play a Big Ten hockey game on Saturday when you host a home football game or have a football game. Like the attendance is always hurt. And you'd know for sure you're not going to get that game on TV. So um, I think that there's some chance to really try some new ideas, uh, especially with how you both cover the sport itself on BTN, but also just how you schedule it. So I hope they uh, they take this and kind of look at uh, some cool things that they can do into the future too, because, you know, these kids who played, up, played junior hockey, they've been on weird schedules before. You don't have to make it Friday, Saturday, just because that's the way it's always been done. Um, and I think that makes sense. Once you get to the winter, I think it's better to do a Friday, Saturday for travel reasons and, and everything else that goes down with it. And, and basketball kind of already has the midweek scheduling going on. So you don't want to add yeah, more but basketball, days plays basketball. basketball plays on the weekend. Basketball plays on the weekend. I would, say, really me, I would say college hockey should definitely keep, they need to keep Friday nights because Friday nights seem, doesn't seem like there's a lot of good college basketball on a Friday night. For so sure. Friday nights you got to keep, but do, do maybe Thursday, Friday sets or do Friday, Sunday sets, you know, things like that, that you can experiment with. I agree. I'm in complete agreement there. I, I, I think they should, I think every sports league in the world should be using this year as a, eh, why not? Let's try it type year. Cause, cause it doesn't matter that much. And, you know, yeah, it's just, it's the fire festival of years. So why yeah, not just yeah. try the fire festival way of just, let's just try and be legends. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, we'll get into our team previews for hockey. Uh, probably cl- a lot closer to the season, but you've heard this is our second show of the athletic calendar. And I can't stop talking about how excited I am for this Michigan team. So uh, yeah, let's just get to November 13th. Honestly, I can skip watching the first couple weeks of football. I don't care. I'm, re- I'm so ready for college hockey to be back. It's just hard because the Red Wings used to be able to, I used to be able to watch the Red Wings and, watch competent hockey and now I can't. So my only chance to have a team with rooting interests is in college. And I mean, let's be honest, last year ended kind of, kind of gave blue balls a little bit, right? Like Michigan was getting really hot there. 
they swept Michigan State. It looked like they might have made a run to win the Big Ten tournament and get to the the big one, and never got to see it happen. So I'm just ready to see another Michigan team. Have any other thoughts before we start get to the fun part and start picking these games? Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, I'm just excited to see that they are giving the season a go. I trust probably the Big Ten to be the one conference that for sure has a season. Um, I don't know if every college hockey conference or school will, will get a season done, but I think the Big Ten will, will get one done. So that's exciting uh for the athletes and everything like that to to be able to have an actual season is is going to be fun and my worst fear was that we were going to have football and basketball but they were going to draw the line there and i'm encouraged to see that more sports are going to get to have access to the testing and and the facilities to to have a season as well yeah i'm excited i do think i agree with you i think the big 10 is going to get it done right and i would have also been heartbroken if they if they drew the line at football and basketball, that would have been miserable. Not that I'm not excited about basketball and football, but you know. All right, let's uh, let's get to this. There's a lot of fun ones here. Um, I'll let you take the first pick here for Illinois at Wisconsin. Wisconsin favored by 19. Uh, who, who? Okay, who so. So first of all, I just have to put the disclaimer. These are all pulled from Bovada today at 1230. So you may, your lines may vary. Um, yeah, Illinois at Wisconsin on Friday night, Brendan. That's our Friday night game. We have Big Ten football in two days. Uh, yeah, there's no reason to take Illinois here. Uh, Wisconsin linemen don't need a full offseason to be ready. They, they stay Wisconsin linemen at all times. So uh, give me the Badgers with the 19 points. Uh, yeah, same. I don't think Illinois is going to be that good. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Wisconsin's going to be fine to win by three touchdowns. <laughs> um, all right. Ohio state versus Nebraska. And I am so, so excited for this game. I have never been more excited to watch Ohio state win by 60 points. But this is going to be hilarious. <laughs> I'm taking Ohio State. Uh, I think they're going to beat them so badly. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to have friend of the pod, Eric, is going to be at the house. Uh, and because this is my house and, and why it makes the rules, we're going to have to put that on the small screen so Michigan State Rutgers can properly be on the big screen, as we all know. Uh, big TV market in New York. You got to have it on the big screen. So I agree. The line is 26 and a half. It should be 45 and a half. I'd still take Ohio state. They clearly got Nebraska. So that the big 10 could work out some angst on uh, Nebraska who, you know, kick and scream their way into us having a season, which is fine. We're all excited, but we still want to see Nebraska get destroyed. So yeah, absolutely. yeah. Give me Ohio state. Like I said, you could not, I don't know what the line would have to be for me to actually want to put money on Nebraska in this game. I would just walk away before I'd put money on them. I think it would, for me to actually put money, I think I would have to take like Nebraska plus 62 or 63. (laughs) Um, For me to like. You'd still be nervous though, wouldn't you? Oh yeah. You'd still be nervous. I would still be nervous. (laughs) Um, I think for me to like not actually put money on it, but if it was just like a friendly wager, I would still think I would need at least 50 points. I wouldn't feel good about it uh, either. So I, I think this is going to be hilarious. Um, I'll let you go ahead for Rutgers, Michigan state. You can expand a little bit if you have any additional thoughts other than just who, what, what you're going to take against the spread. Cause that's, you know, your game. So I've seen, so I've seen this kind of all over. I think it opened at 11 points with MSU favored. And I've seen some markets that it immediately went down to the seven to nine point range where that tells you that Rutgers money was coming in. But then I've also seen it where it ballooned back up to MSU by 15. So Bovada came in the middle at MSU minus 13 and a half. Uh, I mean, it's such a weird season and it's two new coaches playing against each other, but I think I can still trust MSU to win this by two touchdowns. So I'll take MSU. 
I'm also going to take MSU and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to go down to the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be a situation where I don't think MSU is ever going to be really worried. I think they're going to lead by seven to 10 for about most of the way, but I think eventually late they're going to score another touchdown or two and uh, they'll, they'll cover 13 and a half, I think. Okay. Okay. I can see that. I could buy that. Um, yeah, I guess I just, I don't see it being where you're ever scared of losing, but I do see it as maybe being frustrating. But again, you're happy. It's a new coach, so you yes. can't be that frustrated. All right. Next up is Penn State at Indiana, plus six and a half. I'm taking Indiana plus six and a half. Let's go. Uh, we're not going to get nine win Indiana this year because they would have to go undefeated. But uh, Penn State just lost Journey Brown for the year. It's at Indiana. So, I mean, Pennsylvania to – Bloomington that's that's a pretty good trip um and I just like this Indiana team I'm I'm on hashtag team Penix uh so let's go I'll take the Hoosiers yeah I mean 2020 is the year of chaos so chaos team has to come out and win right like I would take Indiana plus six and a half and I might even take Indiana straight up so yeah this is a home field apparel uh, podcast. We're not sponsored by them yet, but we are home field stands. And so I am on Nine Windiana. Brendan, I have the balls. Nine Windiana. All right. Don't even say that it can't happen. It can happen. So okay, I'll go Nine Windiana uh, under the circumstance that they go eight and one and lose to Michigan and then win their crossover game. Or wait, no. No, never mind. No, they have to go to a bowl game. Win their bowl game. Their bowl game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, Indiana college football playoffs, make it happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. But this is just, I mean, we're all just talking about this. Is, I think this is probably the most fun looking game besides, you know, as we discussed before, that Maryland at Northwestern just barn burner in the evening. Uh, but yeah, Indiana and Penn State, this could be the most fun game, I think, all day. Like it's kind of perfectly scheduled at the 3 30 time to be, to be pretty fun. Yeah, I think it's either going to be that or Michigan-Minnesota. I think those two games have potential to be really fun. Um, up For next sure. is Iowa at Purdue. Iowa's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Jeremy, who are you going to take in this game? Uh, so, yeah, I'll take Iowa. I don't – I mean, I know Purdue got Rondale Moore back and everything, but I, they've had – I think they've had uh, some coaching COVID news come out. It just feels like it's a weird – situation so i'm gonna go and take iowa on this one it does feel like a weird situation and i feel like i should take iowa but i'm gonna ride with the boiler i think rondale moore is gonna do something just incredibly stupid that doesn't even make sense how he can do it and I, I think he'll be the difference and i'm not sure that purdue's gonna win but i think it'll go down to the wire and they can keep it within three points i'm, I'm hoping I'll, I'll take purdue all right so then we have in the nightcap you have michigan minnesota so i'll let you lead it off but minnesota is actually road or home dogs by three yeah and when the line opened they were home favorites by about two and a half we have a five and a half point swing here um i god uh uh michigan minus with i think some rumors of them having their own covid situation happening we just don't know which players right yes yes that is true and i'm even gonna throw all that out why not what's the point of being a michigan fan if i'm not gonna irrationally take my team for no reason let's go michigan minus three uh i i think that the offense is gonna be really good even i think it's gonna they're going to do a lot of things to get Joe Melton comfortable. And just because their strength is their speed on offense, I think you can do a lot of screens, quick passes that are still very productive for the team. I think this one's going to be a high scoring game. It's going to be a shootout, uh, but I'll take Michigan by a touchdown. So. so I will have to say, I will disagree with you on one thing, which is I think I would take the under in this game. It's going to be, Week one, ugly weather, and I actually think both defenses are okay. So I would take the under, but I think I'm going to take Michigan uh, minus the three as well. Uh, they're going to get, they're going to have a good start to the season, I think, and uh, they're going to have to show that they can play against Ohio State, Brandon, which I'm going to look forward to all year. That's my Christmas. 
Uh, yeah, they will not be able to compete with Ohio State unless a COVID situation happens. But uh, we'll see. <laughs> All right. So the last one, we saved the best game of the week for last, is Maryland at Northwestern. Northwestern is an 11-point favorite at home. Um, Maryland, I believe, is a new coach this year. Uh, Northwestern has – Second year. Second year, new coach. Oh, okay. Well, Northwestern has Peyton Ramsey now, which I believe is an upgrade at quarterback. And I think That's they're they say. I think they're gonna cover the eleven point spread. So I'll go Northwestern. I, I don't know where people get off giving Northwestern eleven points in this economy. <laughs> uh I'm taking Maryland and I would almost take Maryland straight up. That Northwestern team was so bad last year. I don't know how Peyton Ramsey alone has them 11 points better than Maryland. Um, so I'll take Maryland here. And I've actually already, you know, maybe they, I have real life vested interest in this one already. Maybe sources say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we uh, disagreed on two picks, so I'm happy to see that. I'm sure we'll still find a way to tie with that being the case, but it uh, should be a promising week one. Everybody tweet us your picks. And this is a good segue. You can either tweet me at Brendan4AFC. You can either tweet Jeremy at Jeremy. Oh, God. You're putting me on, on oh, the spot here. I'll find it. I got I my it's... phone out. I think it's JD <laughs> underscore Jerbear. It's JD underscore Jerbear. Yeah. So you can tweet me at Brendan4AFC, him at JD underscore Jerbear. Or you could tweet the official podcast account at Podcast Divided. Uh, we would love to hear all of your picks. You can follow us. We are constantly tweeting about college athletics, uh, professional athletics, uh, horrible, horrible politics that we have to suffer through. So if you like that stuff, except for the last one, go to our pages, follow us, interact with us. We love talking to you guys, especially for these against the spread picks, that was probably my favorite part of last year doing this podcast was having uh, Eric and whoever else would uh, tweet their picks at us. It's a good time. So go ahead and do that. Uh, Jeremy, did this podcast get you any more excited for this Saturday? It does. I am ready. I, let's do it. Let's get, okay, good. I can't wait to have a recap show to do. It's going to be awesome. Yes, we're going to get to talk about real football. We kind of dropped off the face of the earth uh, when sports quit happening. Uh, but sports are happening again, so we're back. We're ready to talk to you guys all about what happens on Saturday. Hopefully it's not too depressing. Um, next week, who knows? Maybe we'll have some basketball news before next week too. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. Jeremy, do you have any closing thoughts? Does Wyatt have no, any I'm just looking thoughts? For... <laughs> I'm looking just forward to it and uh, glad to be back. All right. And I am that glad to be back as well. We are excited for this weekend, and hopefully all of you can enjoy it as much as we will, and we will talk to you guys next week. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll have an episode up next week again. Uh, go Blue. <laughs> and and a go green for my friend Jeremy. Hopefully we're both one and all going into into the Paul Bunyan week. Yeah, oh god, that's next week. Ugly. <laughs>